Hello, and welcome to Dialogues in Dermatology. I'm Dr. Todd Schlesinger, your Editor-in-Chief. We have another exciting podcast for you today. We hope that you enjoy. Hello, this is Dr. Elisa Gallo for Dialogues in Dermatology, and today we're going to be interviewing Dr. Clinton Ennos, who is from the Eastern Virginia Medical School when this paper was done, however, is currently doing a fellowship in dermatopathology at the University of Florida in Gainesville. Welcome, Dr. Ennos. Today, we're going to be speaking about your recent publication, Comorbid Obesity and History of Diabetes Are Independently Associated with Poor Treatment Response to Biologics at Six Months, a Prospective Analysis in Corona Psoriasis Registry. I hope I pronounced everything correctly. Hi, thanks, Dr. Gallon. Thank you so much for this opportunity. I'm really excited to have a chance to share our findings here with the community and very excited to, to speak. All right, so let's discuss psoriasis and its associated comorbidity of systemic metabolic disease. Could you please tell us what your objectives were? Sure. So the basic aim of our research study was to understand whether or not cardiometabolic comorbidities like hypertension, hyperlipidemia, diabetes, associate with treatment response to biologic therapy at six months among patients with psoriasis. And we really wanted to understand if any association were to exist if this was independent of obesity based on the information that we've learned over the past decade of the association between obesity and less frequent response to specifically fixed dose biologics. And how did you set this up? Can you tell us how did you choose your participants? What were exclusion criteria? Could you elaborate on that, please? Sure. So we were fortunate to work with the Corona Psoriasis Registry. The Corona Psoriasis Registry is a North American-based perspective multicenter non-interventional registry for patients with psoriasis under the care of a dermatologist. So the specific patients that we were working with within the registry were those that were initiating a biologic. So in order to be included in the study, they had to have started a biologic at time of enrollment and also had a follow-up at the time point of six months. And did it matter which biologic? It did not matter which biologic because that was actually a point of interest for us. We wanted to answer the overall question, just biologics as an overall category, because when we treat psoriasis patients, you might introduce different categories of, of therapy for them. And if you're treating moderate to severe, you might introduce things like phototherapy, oral medications, but then you also are going to talk about biologics. And we wanted to be able to, to give some information generally about biologics, but we were also very interested in knowing if there are any specific associations with these comorbid conditions and response to specific biologic classes. So how did you design the study? Why don't we get into specifics now? Sure. So again, this was a prospective study that assessed patient demographics and disease characteristics at time point zero, which was when they enrolled and initiated a biologic within the Corona Psoriasis Registry. We then um, assessed for specific outcomes at their follow-up at six months, which is the required interval for participants in the registry. 
And we were specifically looking at outcomes measuring cutaneous disease severity. So we looked at specifically PASI 75, PASI 90, BSA less than or equal to one, and IgA uh, score of zero to one. And so we reported frequencies of these at six months and then did a further statistical analysis to look at any sort of association between these outcomes and the present comorbidities. Okay, so of the 2,924 new biologic starts, you broke it down in the paper that 42.1% were initiated on an IL-17 inhibitor, followed by IL-23 inhibitor, IL-1223 inhibitor at 39%, and TNF-alpha inhibitor at 18.9%. You also broke the cohorts down into the predominantly white cohort of 76.1% and never having smoked at 48%. Can you tell us a little bit more about the percentage of patients that were obese, had hypertension, hyperlipidemia, or diabetes? Absolutely. So actually over half of the patients in the cohort did report obesity. and, Mm -hmm. And this was actually about almost 54%. Nearly 40% reported a history of hypertension, nearly 30% a history of hyperlipidemia, and about 17% had reported a history of diabetes. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. And then what was important, though, was that half of the patients in the registry had no prior history. So we actually had a really nice balance there then to compare patients with and without these comorbidities. Okay. What was the mean BSA? of your patient population? So the mean BSA was roughly 14%. Mm -hmm. And comorbidity with psoriatic arthritis? Yeah, so just over 40% of uh, participants reported comorbid psoriatic arthritis. Okay. So tell us what you found at six months. This was interesting. Based on previous research, we suspected that obesity might have lower frequencies of achieving treatment outcomes. And that's what we did find. So obesity had a lower frequency of achieving all outcomes, PASI 75, PASI 90, IgA 0 to 1, and BSA less than or equal to 1 in each case. What we were really excited about was that we saw that each comorbidity that we were interested in assessing also had a similar pattern. Those that reported a history of diabetes less frequently were able to achieve PASI 75. They also less frequently achieved PASI 90, IgA 0 to 1, BSA less than 1. Hypertension followed a similar pattern. And to a lesser extent, hyperlipidemia, if we really break down the percentages, also was less frequent. But the separation between those with and without hyperlipidemia was, was much smaller. Okay, let's break it down now into the patients on the TNF-alpha inhibitors versus the IL-17 inhibitors versus the IL-23 inhibitor or IL-1223 inhibitor. Let's start with those patients on TNF-alpha inhibitors. What can you tell us you noticed in that particular group? So at six months, when we were just assessing for frequency of a response, those on TNF-alpha inhibitors who also reported being obese, less frequently achieved PASI 75, PASI 90, and all other treatment outcomes that were measured. Mm -hmm. 
So at six months for patients treated with a TNF-alpha inhibitor, those that were reporting obesity less frequently achieved response. And when we did a statistical analysis, we performed a logistic regression model to, to calculate odds ratios with 95% confidence intervals. And in the fully adjusted model that, that was controlled for multiple covariables, we showed that there was an association with this poor, a poorer response to TNF-alpha inhibitors at six months if obesity was present. So there was actually about a 33% reduced odds of achieving PASI-75 for those who reported obesity. For those that reported diabetes, they also less frequently achieved PASI-75, but in the fully adjusted model, the confidence intervals did include the null. For those with hypertension, they also less frequently achieved PASI-75 and had a 39% reduced likelihood of achieving PASI-75 at six months. And those with hyperlipidemia, we did not see an association between treatment response. And those with hyperlipidemia, we did not see a tr any association with treatment response to a TNF-alpha inhibitor. Okay, thank you for that. Now let's go into the IL-17 inhibitors. What were your findings on these in this cohort? So here, we found similarly that those reporting obesity were less frequently achieving PASI-75, PASI-90, and other treatment outcomes measures. And in the fully adjusted model, there was a 34% reduced likelihood of achieving PASI-75 specifically. For patients that were started on an IL-17 inhibitor, the presence of obesity decreased odds of achieving all outcomes in our fully adjusted model in addition to having a decreased frequency of achieving each outcome. Uh, specifically, those, specifically, there was a 34% reduced likelihood of achieving PASI-75 and a 37% reduced likelihood of, of achieving PASI-90 for those on IL-17 inhibitor when obesity was present. Similarly, diabetes was also associated with decreased frequency of achieving all response, all outcomes, and was also had a reduced likelihood of achieving all outcomes measures in our fully adjusted model, which was controlled for obesity. Specifically, PASI-75 was reduced by, likelihoods of achieving PASI-75 was reduced by 39%, and odds of achieving PASI-90 were reduced by 31%. Hypertension also had reduced frequencies of achieving treatment outcomes, and in the unadjusted model, it did show that there was a 25%, like 25% re reduced likelihood achieving PASI 75 and a 22% likelihood, decreased likelihood of achieving PASI 90. But these associations were not seen in the fully adjusted model. And again, like in the TNF alpha inhibitors, hyperlipidemia was not associated with outcomes for those in the IL 17 inhibitor cohort. All right, then thank you for that. Let's move on to the IL-23, IL-1223 inhibitors. What did you see in this cohort? So here, obesity, diabetes, and hypertension were associated with poor outcomes in the unadjusted model. However, when fully adjusted, these associations were lost. If you, for the majority of outcomes, if we did look specifically at IgA zero to one, the presence of obesity and diabetes each decreased odds of achieving IgA zero to one by roughly 30% in the adjusted model. Again, hyperlipidemia 
did not associate with outcomes for those with IL on an IL-23 or IL-1223 inhibitor, nor did hypertension. Mm-hmm. Well, I appreciate your going through the very detailed statistical analysis and associations. Now let's discuss this just a little bit further in terms of what we can take home and our readership and listening viewers can take home from this. In real world data, what are we looking at here? So that's a great question and I I appreciate you asking that. So what we really hope is that this data is something that can be taken into clinics where physicians caring for patients with psoriasis and then utilize this data to help them when they're faced with that challenge of deciding which biologic to use when they're going to treat psoriasis with the biologic. Mm-hmm. Um, a lot of this data is, I think, is helpful in, in sort of confirming what is known about obesity and further providing odds ratios for uh, likelihoods of achieving responses, specifically for the TNF and IL-17 class inhibitors. And I And this is similar for the IL-17 class among psoriasis patients with diabetes, because I think it's important for physicians to be able to not only discuss the biologics with them, but then to also discuss specific expectations given their each each patient's individual uniqueness in terms of their past medical history. And specifically, you mentioned in the article that we've known for quite a while that obese patients less frequently achieve a response to the TNF-alpha inhibitor class, as opposed to something such as infliximab or ustekinumab with weight-based dosing. I think that your article is very pertinent to our current considerations and I appreciate your coming on to explain it to us further. In summary, can you tell us what the take-home points are for our listening viewers? Sure, thanks. So in summary, it's important to assess for cardiometabolic comorbidities in our patients with psoriasis, not only for their holistic care, medical care, but also because it's important to know that these can impact treatment response to specific biologics. So I would add our study further highlights the importance of screening for comorbidities and for developing personalized treatment plans for patients with psoriasis. Well, we appreciate your coming on to discuss this very important study with us and thank you for your time. So thank you, Dr. Gallo, for the opportunity to share the data from this paper. I also just want to thank Dr. Van Voorhees, the National Psoriasis Foundation, and the wonderful team at the Corona Psoriasis Registry for working with us on this project. Yes, thank you to everyone. Have a good day. We hope you have enjoyed this edition of Dialogues in Dermatology. This is Todd Schlesinger, your Editor-in-Chief. For more podcasts, including bonus issues, check us out online at the website of the American Academy of Dermatology or through the Dialogues in Dermatology app. You can now also sync your subscription to your favorite podcast app. New podcasts are released each week in addition to our monthly JAD podcasts. 
We hope you enjoy these new options for listening to dialogues and the increasing content for your listening pleasure. Thank you.